Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now! Hello, friends, and welcome to the After 9 Podcast. Thank you. I'm Kat, that's Scott. Hi. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Sure. And I asked this question on the radio today. I'm going to ask it in the pod as well. Oh, boy. You go for a slice of pizza. Did you have a meal or did you have a snack? A slice of pizza. We'll say a, a pizza pizza or a Geno's or something like that. Yeah, I'm going with meal. That's a meal. And and because if I'm wanting a snack, I'm not going for a slice of pizza anyway. That's kind of a silly thing to have if you want a snack, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, how much do you snack when you snack? Are you the kind of person that eats like a couple of almonds and feels full? Yeah, like I'll have snack. Yeah, like I'll have some cucumbers and you know, or or like a and a cheese slice, you know, or I don't know, hummus and something, you know, something small. Yeah, that's a snack. A small thing is a snack. Like pizza is like it's a pizza's a meal. I just don't put it in the snack category. Let's just say that. Like I understand having one slice of pizza is to maybe to just kind of stop you from feeling too hungry when you do eat. But who just has one slice of pizza? Does that happen? If I go for a slice of pizza, I eat a slice of pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and to me, that is a snack because I can eat it at right. two in the afternoon between lunch and dinner, or I can eat it at lunch and I don't even really care after that until dinner. But if it is dinner time, I think we can all agree we're having more than one slice, right? Me, if no one cared, I'd eat the whole wheel. You hate the whole wheel. What, oh. a, a mead? A medium? Yeah, I could eat a medium. I could, eat, I could totally eat a medium. I bet I could. You know, let's bring in Octavia here, Scott and Cat Show producer. How uh, how many slices of pizza can you eat? And, and you're small. I'm going to point that out because I know people can't see you. But how many slices of pizza do you eat when you eat pizza? I can eat like four. Four, four slices? Or five sometimes. Like a half. <laughs> more than half a Domino's medium. Uh, if my boyfriend and I get a pizza and we can split it and I can do almost half. So Really? Does yeah. he hate that, that you eat half the pizza? <laughs> Does he say, maybe, get your own pizza? Maybe secretly. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, that's, uh, uh, it's a good discussion. You can see that on our Instagram story uh, for Energy 95.3 or 91.5. And we didn't agree. At the end of it, no, even the people texting us this morning did not agree. It was very, very split. Was it? I didn't even check very the results. Split. I voted the first one. It was 100%. I called oh, well, that a win yeah. and I was out of there. And then you ignored the rest, of course. Cat, <laughs> uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that I want to get to on this episode of After 9. Uh, we're going to start off in the area of underage drinking. How old were you when you had your first drink? Ooh, great question. I got to think back, think back. I want to say, I want to go with like 15. 15. And now... When was the first time you had a drink that your parents knew about? Was that also 15 or was that later on? Oh, no. Um, That would have been... uh, I think they would have been okay with it if I had one at like 18, but I'm pretty sure I was like 19. Really? First drink in front of your parents? I mean, that said, they let me taste their... I remember them letting me taste their beer when I was underage. I think everybody tastes their parents' beer at some point, don't they? Because they knew that I would go, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I picked up the bottle... 
Usually it was at the end of the bottle because they're not going to let me have the fresh stuff. They're going to give me the swill at the bottom. And then I took <laughs> swill. And then I'd take a sip of it and be like, nah, it's not for me. And then they'd be like, hmm, you don't like alcohol. Move along with your life. But Even though they knew if I would tried like a Vex cooler, I might have been like, mm, delightful. It's true. It's true. And hey, listen, the first time you have a drink, you probably think, what is the hype on this? This is gross. This tastes awful. It burns my throat when I drink it. That sort of thing. I get it. But that can actually be a parenting strategy. If you make them realize young that it's shit, you don't like it, maybe they won't want to drink it and get all obnoxious yeah. and crazy when you're not around. Yeah. I think there might be something to that too, by the way, because even if you look at different cultures, like uh, European especially, there's kids that will get wine poured for them around the dinner table like everybody else. When I say kids, maybe I do mean like 12, 13, whatever it is, but they're so used to and, and brought up with alcohol that sometimes they say they don't, those, those are the people that won't end up binge drinking and vomiting like crazy, like most of us do right. once we turn 18, 19, 20, you know? <laughs> I think the first drink I had was probably about 15, 16 years old. First one that my parents knew about, it was probably 19. I think yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, what was the first drink you drank? Do you remember? Um, so and then I, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I had... Um, Oh boy. oh boy, now that I think about it, I don't I don't know what the very first one was. It's hard for me to figure out, but I this is so bad. This is so bad. I had a friend in elementary school bring in of an alcohol concoction to elementary school. Really? It was like grade eight, and I think I did have a sip of it, but that was all. And I don't couldn't tell you what it was. I, I don't I just trusted whatever she put in there. Right. It might have been vodka, maybe a mix of that and gin or whatever her parents had in the alcohol cabinet, basically. Well, the reason I'm asking is because in Guelph, Ontario, police have charged a mom for providing alcohol to minors during her daughter's 14th birthday party. It happened on Friday night. Police were called to the house in the Victoria Road and York Road area after calls came in from the neighborhood that several teenagers were outside fighting. Well, the cops got there quick. They found a 13 and 14-year-old that were, quote, very intoxicated. Oh, no. So the cops called those kids' parents. They came. Picked up their kids, took them home, detoxed them, whatever it is that you do when you find out your kid is drunk at 14 years old. Then the cops went in the house to deal with the owner. One adult in the house, it was the mom, a 43-year-old Guelph woman, charged with knowingly supplying liquor to persons under 19 on the Liquor License and Control Act. Minimum fine, $500. Minimum fine, okay. But up to... I X amount? Like, well, do we know how much? I, I don't that know. That seems pretty, like, she should get the max amount. Really? A whole, yeah. Okay. You don't serve other people's kids, underage kids, alcohol. I'm just wondering to what extent she knew what was going on in that house. Okay, I, so we don't know that? Well, I mean, they're saying knowingly. Does that mean she knew there was booze in the basement and kids had access to it? Or was she like going and popping bottles and handing them to the kids? Right. I see a bit of a difference there. But either way, as the only adult in the house, she's no, the one you responsible. you have a responsibility. Yeah. Absolutely you do. And again, whatever you do with your kids, you know, people might disagree with. Um, and if she allows her kid, her 14-year-old, to have some beer, there's going to be people who don't like that. That seems young to me. But if it's your kid, it's your kid. However, you're talking about other people's children in there. Oh, no. Like, that's where you really draw the line. You don't allow that to happen. You can't as a responsible adult. You is, just can't. Is this the whole, I want to be a cool mom 
and let them drink alcohol thing going there. As long as it's in the house, then everyone's safe. But clearly, they went outside the house. Yeah. And they were running all around the neighborhood fighting each other. Well, this is what happens when you get a bunch of dumb kids that are yeah. all drunk up on whatever it was they were drinking. And it doesn't even take much booze at that age either. Yeah. I mean, if you give me a beer, I'm just fine. Thank you very much. You hand a beer to a 13-year-old and they're going to be fucking loaded after yeah, one of them, aren't absolutely. they? So fi- I'm, fi- I'm wondering how the parents feel about that. Uh, I don't know. I'm also wondering, is there ever a scenario where you can reach out to these parents and say, hey... 14th birthday coming up, thinking about letting the kids have a cocktail. Are you no, okay with that? No. You, you don't want to make that call. No, I mean, if she knew in advance, sure she should have, because then you know what most of the parents would say is, well, you're never going to that house again. Absolutely not, right? Yeah. I, I think so. I don't know that I would do that. I mean, my you, kids- You seriously, if you got a call, if your daughter- it was a it was a parent and it was she was fourteen at the time, and it was a parent of one of her friends. It said, "Hey, yeah, no, yeah, your daughter's here. We're just gonna have some vodka drinks, okay?" You're okay. telling me, like, give me a break. Okay. Like, of course you'd have a problem with it, right? Okay, but if I got a call and I'll use my son as, as as an example, he's my youngest, and and now he's in university, so this not really a factor anymore. I hope, but if if one of his buddy's parents called me and said, "Hey," birthday party this weekend and we want your son to come just so you know we let our kids have a couple of drinks so there's going to be some alcohol there and if you don't want your son to participate that's fine we'll just tell us and we'll make sure he doesn't have any oh that's so ridiculous to me Uh, it is a little ridiculous ridiculous. but i can see how some people would think that that's the reasonable alternative i don't think it's reasonable at all though if you want your kids if you're okay with your kids drinking at that age and again it just seems young to me but let's say you do do that in a separate time you don't have a party with a bunch of kids there and then be like, oh, my kid can have some drinks. Like, either way, that's that's ri- really ridiculous. Like, what is going on there? That seems really off to me. Do it at a separate occasion. Don't do it around other people and, or maybe you let him have a drink. Okay, well, what if the party is positioned this way? We let our kids have some drinks in this house and they're probably going to have some. If you don't want your kid to participate, no problem. Just don't send him. Yeah, again. And then if it comes down to, well, he's either going and there's going to be alcohol or he doesn't go at all. Can't I just have a conversation with my son and say, hey, listen, there's probably going to be booze at this thing. And you know how I feel about it. No booze for you. You say no. And I'll be able to tell if you had any drinks. But you'd have no red flag. You're telling me, though, you'd have no red flag about those people. Well, see, I'm trying. I think more people would. They would judge the shit out of it. And, And rightfully so. And understandably so. I think that if you have a normalized conversation with your kids about booze, and I mean fair, knowing that kids could be tempted by this outside of your home, then there's probably an opportunity to talk to them about it. And if I lay down some rules, like, hey, listen, if you want to try beer, no problem. But you're not doing it when you're outside the house. And if I find out you did, all these privileges are gone. Mm -hmm. However, if... I say it's okay, then you're allowed to have a drink. If you're with me, then it's okay. If you're going somewhere with an adult that I know and trust, and I can trust them looking after you after you've had a drink, then it's okay. But I think that there needs to be rules and a conversation for that. I don't know that we need to make it this big taboo thing anymore because there's so many different places that kids are getting it. And they always have, really. Did you have that conversation with your kids? And how young were they? Uh, Okay, so I did have the conversation with my daughter, not with my son. And I don't know. I'm not quite sure why it worked out that way. It's usually a boy. There usually is a difference for some people, I think, between boys and girls, of course. Yeah, and with my daughter, we did have a really reasonable 
reasonable conversation about it. I said, hey, listen, this is reality. People are going to offer this to you. Do you want to see what it tastes like? And she said, no. And I said, I think you do want to see what it tastes like. Here's a glass of wine. Try a sip of that. And she went, I don't like that. Why don't you have a beer? Try a sip of this. Oh, I don't like that. Now, if I'd kept going, I probably could have found a lot of things that she does like, but I was pretty that's happy not, with the win. Yeah, but that's not what they're passing around when they're 15, 16 No, they're years passing old. around whatever they can get they're their fucking hands sugary on. sugary coolers is what they're passing around, or they're mixing whatever they can grab in the cabinet with Kool-Aid or something just so that they could get it down their throats. That's what we used to do anyway. If you've got teenagers in the house, and you will eventually, do you think you need to lock up your booze? Oh, I, would, I will absolutely be doing that. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'll be doing that. I mean, lock up... Uh, I don't know if like I'll physically go find something to physically lock it up. I don't know, but keeping track of it, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm very responsible with that. I would absolutely not let them. And and that said, like edibles, I mean, we know that that's going to be a reality for our kids as well as having those types of things around. All those things are going to be in a safe place for me. Edibles. I do feel differently about for sure. I, um, uh, I understand the argument for keeping the edibles and stuff away from kids. I, I certainly do. And I don't necessarily treat cannabis and alcohol exactly the same because I don't think I'd go to my kid and say, here, smoke a couple of puffs of this and tell me how you feel. Tell me you don't like it. I don't think I would do that the way I would with mm-hmm. booze. However, when it comes to kids and drugs, it's not a level playing field. And unfortunately, it's the kids who are going to suffer. I think I put it on my Instagram recently, or maybe I tweeted it out. I was at the LCBO. In the LCBO, anybody can go in. If you're a kid, you can go into the LCBO if you're with a parent. If you're a kid, you cannot go into a cannabis store. In fact, cannabis stores still mm-hmm. have to have their windows papered over because, God forbid, somebody see inside. And that's creating a dangerous situation because it's setting them up for robberies. So I, I hope that they make some meaningful changes in the cannabis industry. But we have plain packaging on those edibles, right? You couldn't tell what's in there unless you actually read it. There's no colors. There's nothing fancy about it. It's got warning labels the whole nine yards. In contrast, when I was at the LCBO, what do they have set up right at the checkout? Big, huge display for the new Tahiti Treat, alcoholic Mm -hmm. infused alcohol. A, it tastes like juice. You cannot even tell there's booze in that thing. Oh, did you try some? Oh, yeah. B, it looks like a can of pop. It looks nothing like alcohol. And I don't understand where in a place where children are actually allowed to go, we've got these big displays at the checkout, and it certainly does look enticing, the colors and everything. But they can't even be allowed to see inside a cannabis store. Yeah, it. I know. It doesn't make sense. We've talked about this before. It still makes no sense, and I feel like there needs to be an overhaul there. Because I don't understand why they put marijuana sales under the tobacco umbrella. Because it's not tobacco. It's not the same thing. And then liquor, like you said, is almost like, oh, the holy grail. Like, everybody, take a look at this beautiful display. And they are beautiful. I mean, you look inside an LCBO at nighttime when it's lit up. It's like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's like a chandelier show. (laughs) It's just like beautiful (laughs) bottles everywhere. It's like, it's true. It's very enticing to the eyes. And maybe or maybe not to kids. I mean, I'm not really sure. Uh, My kids don't ever care to go with me there anytime we have to go anywhere. I don't want to go. So do you think $500 is an appropriate fine for this woman? 500 bucks is 500 bucks. Um, Think she learned her lesson? I mean, no. First of all, no. I don't don't think it's a a good fine. If she knowingly did this and passed it out, essentially, give her the high, whatever the max fine is. Give her that. And also, you know that there's going to be some lawsuits. I'm calling Diamond and Diamond tomorrow if my kid was at that party. And if you, as you're telling me that this woman served my kid booze without me knowing... You bet your ass I got to figure out what I can do about that.
The parents should always be in the loop about what's going on with their kids. Okay. Um, arrests have been made related to, COVID, related to COVID fraud. And this is a good news story, everybody. This is good news. Five people facing serious charges after applying for COVID funding through the Ontario government's COVID-19 programs on behalf of ineligible and sometimes even non-existent businesses. Yeah. The OPP said <laughs> the applications got flagged as suspicious by officials at the Ontario Ministry of Finance, who then passed the file over to police. The scammers tried to exploit the small business support grant, the property tax program, and the energy cost rebate. They got caught. Charges include, and these are criminal, fraud over $5,000. Yes. Fuck them. Fuck them all. Charge them. Throw them in jail. Throw away the key. People who would exploit all of us, all of our tax dollars under those very stressful circumstances, throw away the key. What I love about this story is not only did we catch people who did it because they thought they got away with it. It's been, what, two years since some of those programs mm -hmm. ended? They thought they got away with this. And then COPP, open up. We want to talk. Good. They got busted. I also like that it was the government themselves that caught them. We have this big thing going on with the Canada Revenue Agency. Billions and billions of dollars in overpayments that got made to people. We paid dead people. We paid people in it jail. It was insane. There were people that were not eligible that got it. And, and some of them, I feel like the real easy ones, the small fish, people like my own mother, they went after to repay some COVID benefits that they got. But then these other people, they thought, ah, we'll never catch them. Just let them go. In this case, it was actual staff at the Ministry of Finance that were going through all the applications and said, wait a second, this wow. looks, let me Google this business that's applying and it doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. But if they hadn't made that check, that money would have been paid out and they would have got away with it. So good for them. I am glad. And anybody else who tried to screw the taxpayers during COVID, I hope you get caught too. Yeah. Eventually, I think we're going to hear more of that. And that's great. I love it. Fine. Let's talk about some drugs for a minute here. Eli Lilly is a popular drug maker. They've now gone to the U.S. FDA to approve their experimental Alzheimer's drug. Denonimab, I believe is how we pronounce this. They say it can modestly slow a patient's inevitable worsening by about four to seven months. The company announced in May this appears to work. Yesterday, they released the full result of the study. 1,700 patients with Alzheimer's were studied for this. And out of those 1,700, they said there were several cases of brain swelling or bleeding. Three people died. Three out of 1,700 is okay. not a particularly high number. It's, it's a decimal point. Right. But three people died. And it gets you four to seven extra months before the cognitive decline really starts to kick in. It basically buys you about half buys a year. Buys you some time. Knowing that it comes with a risk of death and that it only gives you six months, do you think Alzheimer's patients would be willing to take that? Or do you think that they'll pass and just let nature I take its know. course? I think some will. Um, I think some will. There are so many. The thing is, there's so many trials right now that are happening, and especially in that area. And that's a good thing, by the way, because the more funding you get, the more you're able to do these trials. And then the more trials you do, the more you're able to like cross some off the list, if you will, depending how it goes. But yeah, I mean, I, I see some people doing it. I think unless you're in that position of someone so telling hard to you, say, right? right? Like, so yep. you don't, it, the reality will not hit you until you have somebody diagnose you with something. And then you go, oh shit, that's my reality. 
So if someone is there to offer you this pill that could prolong your memory and keep your memory intact and have you making memories with your family and friends and being there in the mind seven months longer, potentially, I think there's a lot of people that in that space would say that. They would say, yes, I'll take it. I'll try it. It's a real tough thing. And it's especially if the the Alzheimer's has really begun. They say you have to take this drug at exactly the right time for mm. it to have the full effect. But you don't know until you've taken it whether or not it actually worked. Knowing the risks that it comes with, I think that's a real tough conversation for anybody to have to have with someone who's dealing with Alzheimer's. But it's a conversation that you may have to have in the near future. They're quick on these approvals now, as we learned during COVID. They are, yeah. Case in point, the FDA has now approved a drug to protect infants and toddlers against respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. We heard about RSV a lot at the end of COVID because our emergency rooms were overrun. There was a lot of kids who got sent to the hospital with RSV. The medication manufactured by Sanofi and AstraZeneca is the first protection against the illness, which has been surging in North America, filling hospitals and infecting millions of children each year. Typically, not fatal, but enough that it freaks out parents enough that they want to go and get medical attention, which, of course, is what we're all advised to do. I feel like the drug thing is a real tightrope right now for a lot of parents. A lot of parents are really asking themselves, "Mm, do we give our kids this? Do we give our kids that? This is another decision that parents are going to have to make soon. It is a drug now approved. To treat RSV. Does it prevent it or... I'm not even sure. It says protect infants against it. So what does that mean? Prevention, I think. Lesser symptoms. You'll get it, but it won't be as bad. I don't know. But either way, if you're a parent, might be worth looking into. Uh, While we're in America here, for a 19th straight day, Phoenix, Arizona, is going to be 43.3 degrees Celsius today or more. (laughs) Like, that's insane. Nighttime temperatures, 35 degrees no. Celsius in Phoenix right now. Nighttime. Nighttime, that, it's 35. That's where you get your relief? 35 degrees? During the day, it's Stop. been an average of 43.3 degrees. Ugh. Now, the reason that this is news right now is because no other major city in America has had this long a streak of brutal days and nights longer than Phoenix. They're about to smash the record with 19 straight days of 43 degrees Celsius. Oh, no. No. Now, if you live in Phoenix, you know it's hot. I mean, you know what you're getting into there. Is it it considered a desert? Yeah, it's Arizona. Yeah, Yeah. like the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know what you're getting into. Mostly you're prepared, I assume, but that's insane. Like that's beyond. Is that especially that with a stretch like that? What do you do? You get out. Like at that point, are they letting making people go to work still and everything else? Yeah, I mean it's business. First couple of days, it's like, oh, it's really hot. Man, make sure you drink lots of water yeah. and stay in the shade. Now it's like, well, this is reality. Just fucking go to work. Yeah. Thank God it's summertime and kids aren't back in school yet because you know that would be a fiasco. Those are one of those places, by the way, that oh, everybody has a pool. Everybody has a pool there. I like every so. house yeah. has a pool. Half the it's houses like in Vegas. Phoenix are owned by Canadians anyway. You fl- it's true. <laughs> but it's like there's certain places you fly over even and you can see the backyards, you know, when you're landing. Like same thing goes for Vegas. You look down, it's like everybody's got a pool. Yeah. Every person has a pool. But you when need it, to cool off. When it's that hot, I figure that one time big purchase of a pool 
may actually be better value than the constant use of air conditioning, and yeah. you kind of need it in those desert cities. Oh, you definitely do. I can't believe they don't even have the overnight relief, though. That's where it, 35 that's where it at sucks. Night. I've never experienced that, no. but I kind of like it. I kind of want to go. Just one time, Just maybe. one time. I don't want to go that many days, though. Are you nuts? Just one night. When it's 20, I have a hard enough time getting cool enough to go to sleep. Yeah. 35 would be you outrageous. Lose your mind. Let's talk about money for a second. Daniel Weinman. You ever heard the name? Daniel Weinman. I don't think so. You might soon. He just won the World Series of Poker main event in Las Vegas yesterday. Right on. $12.1 million playing poker. The 16th consecutive year participating in the tournament here for Daniel he outshone 10,043 other players that were all vying for the prize pool of $93 million. He claimed the title after just 164 hands at the final table. Wow. He says, I was honestly on the fence about even coming back and playing this tournament. He's from Atlanta. He shared the final table uh, with other contenders who apparently are quite good. Even a past champion was in there. Some people won three million bucks at that final table, but you got to get to the final table to get into the millions. He won twelve point one million bucks playing poker. How how old is he too? Uh, that's a good question. Thirty five. Oh wow! 35 yeah, year old. good for him. Okay, but if you think about it, it's the sixteenth time he's played in this. Sixteen times before he finally got the payoff. It's a real like. I don't even know. What do we call that? Like, it's a recreational activity, right? Like, I mean, there's people who have different... Do we call it a hobby, though? Like, what does that It's not a sport. I'll tell you that. It's not a sport. No. Okay. That we can agree on, I think. I think I don't know why the fuck it's on TSN. I don't think that I would call it a sport either. So, I mean, whatever. This It's recreation for most people, and hopefully if you do it right, you're not... It's not a problem for you. But there are people who do this, who travel to play poker all the time oh, and yeah. win decent amount of money, uh, decent amounts of money. Not like this. Like this is again world. When you're talking Vegas world tournament, people go from come from all over the world yep. to play this thing. Absolutely. Like I mean, you're facing off with people in Japan that are across the t- seat from you. Could be anywhere in the world, and they all come for it. And guess what? All those suites. I remember my cab driver in Vegas the last time was telling me about this tournament and all those pimped out suites on every single hotel, all people who are playing in that tournament, everyone is booked up for them. They're not paying for it because they're paying copious amounts of money to play poker. Okay. And one other thing worth pointing out here is those people who are real into it, the ones who go to all the big tournaments, the actual contenders that go to these tournaments. They're all rolling with a big entourage. Yep. You see them sitting at the table. They've probably got a, a social media person following them around. Yep. There's a camera person following them around. The list goes on and on and on. They got a lot of people, even a financial advisor and personal security because everybody knows they're packing packing money. It's insane. But let me ask you, it took him 16 times in this tournament before he won it. He won his $12 million. Is he going to cash out? He should probably stop playing poker, oh. right? It's never going to happen again. No. The odds of winning it this time were astronomical. You should cash out and save your money. No, because you could still sit at that table. Even if you don't win, you still sit at that table, which is worth a lot of money, which is worth millions. Actually, they get endorsements just for like wearing a specific hat or polo shirt. Once you're in that championship zone too, other people are going to shit their pants knowing that they're going to play with you and you've won. Like, are you kidding me? You have all of the mojo in the world going into that tournament the next time and the next time and the next time even with people knowing because they don't know what to expect from you because you clearly are good at poker. So you'd let it ride. A hundred. Are you fucking crazy? Of course I would. Can you agree, though? 
if you if you go to Vegas and you're playing the slots, you win a thousand dollars. Set aside nine hundred. If you want to keep playing, use a hundred bucks or use whatever you put right. in initially. Right. But that you, I, I agree with. This guy is in just as much danger of losing all that money trying yeah. to double, trying to make lightning strike twice. I, I think for me, I would just chicken out and say, well, that's it. I've played my final hand to poker professionally. No. I'm out. No, you set aside. You do exactly what you said. You set aside and you play with an X amount. He started it. What did they start out there, by the way, at that tournament? What's the buy-in? Uh, do we I, know? I don't know. Okay. Well, whatever it is, you, st- you, you, you have to go in with a minimum. Of course you're going to play. Worst case, you're out. You're never, never going to owe money. You're just going to be out money. So as long as you know you're budgeting going in, you're fine. You can't re-enter the tournament. So once you're out, you're out. And there's total safety to him doing it again. And again and again. Do it, buddy. Do total it. Total safety. This is a total out- safety. outrageous. Total safety. No, he's good, though. Yeah. I Clearly. hope he's good. I hope he's good. Uh, but it, it does segue perfectly into this. Nobody won the U.S. Powerball again last night. They haven't had a winner since April. The jackpot tomorrow night, Wednesday. A billion dollars. You've got a, a kid in the States. Yep. Are you making him buy tickets like crazy? He's here. Fuck. What? He's here. Oh, He's get home. him get his ass back there and get him to buy us tickets right now. It's kind of outrageous, actually. He I kind of want to go back and be his age again. I asked him, hey, what are you doing this weekend? He said, oh, I'm gonna go back home to Indiana. I want to go and see Oppenheimer. And I'm like, well, we have theaters here that you <laughs> can go to. <laughs> they do play it here. Like, no, I want to go with my friends. So he's driving eight hours to go and see Oppenheimer with his friends in the States. And then he's driving back. And then coming back, yeah. <laughs> so assuming the nobody freedom, wins the eh? Billy tomorrow, yeah. then he'll bring us back tickets. But okay, I feel like the poker guy won $12 million. Great. If you want to retire, you could retire on $12 million. That's doable. A million is not enough. You're going to continue working. $12 bucks, you're good. I feel like when we get up into these jackpots with a billion dollars, we should mm-hmm. all just have a universal understanding that there's actually going to be 10 winners that are each going to win $100 million, or 100 winners that are each going to win $10 million, because that's too much money for one person to win just because they were in the right place at oh, the right time. I mean, for the lottery. And invested $2. For the lottery stuff, I totally I totally agree with you because, I mean, you're just picking up a lottery ticket. I, it's too much money for one person. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they give away. Way too much money. Too much money. And I never thought I'd say that, but as I think about it, Spread it out a little bit. Spread it out a little bit. You give one person a billion dollars, especially if you give the wrong person a billion dollars. That's not good news. Could you imagine just being a billion? The next day, you're just a billionaire. All of a sudden, you're in like a different club. You know shit. And people come to you. And you can figure things. Like, I mean, the the power that it comes with. Sometimes it's too much for people. I mean, and you've seen people, um, at least heard of, I mean, people go a little uh, cuckoo. After they win lot, big lottery amounts. Because they sure. don't even know what to do with themselves. And they change. They change. They spend it all. The people around them also change. The Your be- relationships become different. Absolutely. You, lo- you People drop off because you won't give them money maybe. People become your friends that are not in it for the right reasons. It's true. Right? I am so it's much nicer lot. to Kat since she got the TikTok deal. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so much nicer. <laughs> I, uh, you call me by my name now instead of a little bitch. It's great. <laughs> I just think that. No, but it's. If you can be it, comfortable. It does change. It can change people in yeah. the wrong hands. You're right. Because you made a point of in the wrong. We don't know who's going to win this. And it could by all means be the sweetest person in the world who's giving it away to charities. And you're like, holy shit. But you don't know who you're handing the money to. And that's kind of a scary thing, right? How outrageous would it be if we found out that the person who won a a billion dollars was also a 
I don't know, a CEO who was making ten million a year, or was also uh, a senator or a congressman or a member of parliament. Yeah, it would frustrate the shit out of you. Frustrate the living shit out of you. And, And I hate to say. You can only make so much money because I don't believe that. I think if you work hard, you should be able to make as much as you want to make. And and that's just all mm-hmm. there is to it. As long as you pay your share of the taxes, then I think everything is fine. Make as much as you want. When it comes to the lottery, though, I, you're at a billion dollars, guys. you got to cap that. Draw dozens and dozens yeah. of winners and give them each $20 million. Enough to retire. Enough that their family that comes after them can be comfortable. And that's it. You mm-hmm. don't need to give one person a billion dollars honestly it's kind of like the max million situation that we have here with lotto max because it's capped it's capped at what do we cap it at 70 uh it's so with the lotto max it's a 70 million dollar jackpot max and then they can have an infinite number of max millions which are one million each and like i said earlier they should do that a million's not even enough anymore though yeah it's nice oh that's nice though it's great i mean hey it's not going to change your life though i don't what unless you're like i don't know a senior a senior, it might, hey, unless your mortgage is half paid off, but otherwise it's not even going to buy you it's, a home. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Speaking of which, and we'll end on this, I think it's amazing what, and I don't even know his name. I've met him a few times and I can't remember his name and I hate that, but he's the owner of Paramount Fine Foods. Oh, yes. Here is a private citizen who maybe even heard it in the podcast yesterday, heard about these refugees that have come to Canada in search of a better life, and we just treated them like garbage. They're sleeping on the sidewalk outside the shelters. It's horrible what we've done to these poor, poor people who were fleeing a horrible situation. This guy stepped up after hearing that story and instantly did what every one of our politicians should have first done instinctually. He tried to find accommodations for them, and he worked it out. Made a couple of calls. Now these people are able to go to, it's a church in North York. And it's not a shelter. It's not a hotel. But it's a roof over their head. It's a place to go to the bathroom and set their stuff down. A place that they can maybe get a little spiritual and, and evaluate their new life in Canada. Which is what they deserved from the beginning. This is You're absolutely you right. Know? This is the least we could have done. It took a private citizen who's also donating $20,000 of his own money mm-hmm. to these refugees because they need help now. And he got this organized. Why did it take a private citizen and not the mayor of Toronto, the premier of Ontario, the prime minister of Canada? Why are the three of them not on the phone nonstop right now saying, we've got refugees that have nowhere to go. What are we going to do here? And I don't know what the solution is, but there has to be a solution. And the solution should not be that private citizens have to come up and kick in their own money Mm -hmm. and make their own arrangements for refugees that they had no control over them coming or not coming to Canada in the first place. It's not right, but thank you to the owner. I'm with you because I feel like we met we met this person before too. Did we interview him? Like I know we talked to him before. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, regardless, thank you for doing that. I mean, not everybody is able to even do it. Um, so, hey, if you're able to help, that's incredible. And I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. Every single person in government that didn't do anything until now, when this private citizen has come forward and done it, you should be ashamed of yourselves. And there's calls for the person who runs the shelter system in Toronto to resign. That's probably the least you can do. You should resign. Mm-hmm. Is there no integrity anymore? Like if you're in charge of something as important as the shelter system in a housing crisis and you fuck it up that badly. Yeah. How do you still go to work and look at your coworkers in the eye? If you're that person, you need to step yeah. down. I know. Go ahead and reapply for the job if you want, but you need to at least walk in to the mayor's office with your resignation letter and say, I have failed. I'm sorry. 
good luck to the next right. person. Yeah. Or I'm at least offering it because this looks really bad. If you don't want to accept it, that's up to you. But I'm offering my resignation. And speaking of looking bad, doesn't it look bad that that's not put upon them? Like there's not it's it's way too easy for them to keep their job sometimes. Like it's insane. Well, maybe that's why the employment numbers are so good right now, because there's too many people that should have stepped down and didn't. Uh, on that, by the way, somebody pointed this out to me last week mm-hmm. and, and I didn't notice it until I actually went looking for it. And God damn it, is it ever true? We hear a lot about, oh, the, the, how, the, the employment numbers are great. And there's a lot of people working and everything is good. Have you noticed how many of them are seniors? Working? Yeah. Yeah, I have noticed that. There's a lot more senior citizens in the workforce, probably because the cost of living has gone up Uh and whatever retirement income they had is now not sufficient. I went to McDonald's. Did I tell this story in the pod? First window. No. Senior citizen that was taking the money. In fact, it was a teenager training a senior citizen on how to use the debit machine. I got to the window where they hand you the food. It was another senior citizen that handed yeah. it to me. After that, I went over to Winners to pick up a new polo shirt because I didn't feel like doing laundry before golf. <laughs> senior citizens everywhere at yeah. the till, walking around the store. Did all the available jobs in the market just get swallowed up by seniors that need to make some extra hey. money? And how horrible is it that seniors have to come out of retirement just to afford no, to live? I know, and I know it's anecdotal as we talk about this, but I've honestly noticed that exact same thing. And that was what was in the back of my mind was they're looking at their reti- what's left of their pensions or whatever it might be and going, this just isn't enough. It's not enough anymore. Or I don't want my family to have to help me or whatever the case is and everyone's going to be different, but... Yeah, it's uh, not good. It's not good what's happening right now. Got to go, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday, and we'll see you tomorrow with another After 9. Bye.